Welcome to the Surviving Middle School Podcast. I'm Mike Farah, father of Finnegan, a seventh grader, and Elijah, a fourth grader. And I'm Dee Dee Thomas, mom of two. Charles is in seventh grade and Walker is in second. We are two New York City parents trying to manage the city and the beautiful struggle of raising kids. Today we are talking about current events, well, past events, but we're talking about the Supreme Court, patriarchy, sexism, sexual violence, protest, hashtag me too, hashtag him too. Justice Kavanaugh, Dr. Christine Blasey Ford, and Dr. Anita Hill. How do we as parents navigate news with our children, and are we doing a disservice if we do not talk to them? Because they are talking for sure. They are definitely talking. Didi, what was your conversation with Charles like? I watch a lot of news, and the news is always on in our house. So he will sit with me sometimes and ask questions, and often... Can I ask what news you watch? I watch a lot of CNN. I watch Uh a lot of MSNBC. I I do watch Fox sometimes to just kind of get a a sense of what's being said. But uh, I do watch those three primarily. Mm -hmm. So most often he will see me watching CNN. And during the hearings, I wasn't quite ready for him to come in and sit down and say, so what's happening? And that's exactly what happened. And I had to explain to him that this was a woman who had experienced something really horrible maybe 40 years ago. And she was now relating her story and it was very very painful for her and she was asking this room of people to believe her story because it really mattered and I said to him at that time I said what we ended up talking about was how important it was no matter what age you are to just really understand that everything you do with somebody else they have to say it's okay and I said to him if they ever say no or stop or or wait what's happening you have to stop Charles It doesn't matter what's going on or what you think or how you care about this person. If it's not okay for both of you, it has to stop. And it's it's hard. My son is 12. So what he's thinking about what I'm saying, I'm not sure how much of it is really sinking in. But the idea for him that I was trying to instill is is that just because he wants something to happen doesn't mean that it's going to happen. And he seemed to take it in. And he saw the emotion. And he saw how scared she was. He didn't see much of the testimony with Justice Kavanaugh, but what I really wanted him to to really understand was how much pain she was going through even 40 years later. It changed her life. Yeah. Yeah, like one incident changed her entire life, for sure. What about you? Well, the conversation with Finnegan started because I told him that a friend of mine was being arrested and that I was proud of her and she was in Washington DC and he didn't quite understand why I was happy that a friend of mine was getting arrested and it led to a conversation again about Dr. King and protest and how if you think something's unjust you have to stand up for it and that getting arrested was kind of an extreme choice that you have to make as an American like you really have to feel strongly about it to do this like it can have ramifications for you down the line Mm -hmm. if you choose to get uh, arrested I made sure it was clear to him that it was a non-violent demonstration it was not a violent demonstration that she was doing she was sitting in office building holding space and they asked her to leave three times and She said no. So that was one thing. And then I was so inspired by my friend that I made a decision to go to Washington, D.C. and protest myself. And it meant that I had to miss Finn's football game. It meant that I had to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and catch a bus to Washington, D.C. to be able to be there to protest the appointment of Dr. Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court. I felt that strongly about it. Um, There's a lot of reasons I feel strongly about it. You know, One of the reasons I did it was I wanted to make sure my son saw that this was important to me, that I was choosing to exercise my political voice as strongly as I possibly could. I also wanted to make sure that he knew that I was there supporting women and their voices and stories. 
We had a conversation about Dr. Blase Ford and what she was saying about the violence. And I told him that they had two versions of the same story and that I believed Dr. Blase Ford. I had a conversation with Finn about it and he said that maybe Dr. Ford was just seeking fame. And I had to explain to him that her life had changed. She had to move out of her house. She was receiving death threats. That anytime somebody relives a trauma, it's not something that's easy to do in their lives. I did explain to him that it was a violent sexual act. Like I didn't get into details about what he was accused of, but that was, uh, that was a really heavy conversation to have with a 12 year old boy about what was happening currently and why I was taking a tough stand on it. He also had studied it in his class, newspaper class at school. Mm -hmm. And so they watched some of the testimony before we got into class. And I think some of that was set by the group think of what was going on in class and how they all reacted. I think they're also dealing with people who are seeking fame all the time for doing mm -hmm. stupid things or anything really to achieve notoriety. And so that's kind of the way the culture is, well, I don't know if it's changed that much, but that's one way the culture is right now. And I think that's kind of why he, um, what he read about Dr. Ford. And I had to explain that to him. You know, it's a, it's a struggle because all the little things that we're seeing and talking about with our kids are, are going to add up into who they become. And recently we were walking and Charles out of the blue asked me, you know, is it okay for women to wear shirts up to here? And he gestured towards his midriff. And he said, because I see all these, these girls wearing clothes and I can see their stuff. And I said, well, honey, here's the thing. You don't get to say what people wear. If you see something that makes you uncomfortable or that's not what you're used to, then you've got one option and that's to look away. Because a woman can wear what she wants, how she wants. If, if you see her boobies and or other things, that's her choice and you don't get to judge it you don't get to ask her about it you just get to respect or comment about it or comment about it you get to respect that that is her choice and that's the only thing that you can do you can control what you wear and how you look but you can't judge anyone women have the right to express themselves however they want to so don't don't you decide what's okay and what's not okay what was the experience like in dc oh man it was a incredibly powerful experience. So I got on the bus and there were 50 women and two men, <laughs> right? Wow. So you really start to see that this is a women's struggle and there's more men that need to join this struggle with women to support women. So you start to realize that right when you get on the bus and you, you know, you're on the bus with people you don't know. So you make friends and you start talking to them about what their experience was. So we travel for four to a half hours to Washington DC and we get there and then we have to divide up into two groups. One group is going to go to Bird Dog, which is try and talk to individual senators. And a couple of the women that we were with who had personal stories chose to go Bird Dog mm -hmm. because they felt that was a very powerful experience that could change uh, people's minds based on the elevator story that with had Blake. happened earlier in the week. Right. And I totally respected that. The conscious decision I made was that there were so few men that I chose to go to the rally to try and show a visible presence for men supporting women at the rally. And when you get there, you uh, I was kind of blown away by a couple things. One is I saw celebrities that were walking the walk and talking the talk, not celebrating their celebrity, not asking to speak, but just marching in line, which I was kind of impressed by, to be honest with you, especially when mm -hmm. you're dealing with celebrity culture. You were surrounded by women who were telling these absolutely heartbreaking stories of their entire life. So you are literally crying, 
and at the same time you're being uplifted by the power that they're showing when they're yeah. demonstrating against it. One of the things that was interesting about the rally too was it's important that we continue to say the name of Dr. Anita Hill when we have these conversations and that was done really well at the rally that we don't want to lose her name in history that we women have already been down this road once before and now they are here again. These two women and what they experienced were ignored in a large part. Yeah. And it was bipartisan ignoring with Dr. Anita Hill. And, and now we're dealing with something that's a little bit different, but still he was appointed to the uh, highest court in the land. His seat will sit, he will sit there for 40 years. and At least. At least. And I don't think we're done with his investigation yet. No. I got into a little bit of history when Supreme Court justices were uh, impeached. And it's only happened once in the history of the United States. And he was impeached by the Congress, but acquitted by the Senate. And, I, you know, it's an interesting conversation along with Me Too and the women that have been harassed or been violated at work. And so the story continues to happen. And it'll be interesting to see how the world evolves and how much it has evolved since Dr. Anita Hill and where my son will be growing up in the world and, and how he'll see sexism. So how did you explain to Finn your day? I told him about marching and screaming and yelling. And again, Finn's reaction was, you're just one person. So this required some more lessons for Finn about what a difference one voice can make and how if it doesn't make a difference, right, that's okay. You're still exercising your right to free speech that you have to kind of express yourself and that's, it's an important part. Those were two important lessons I think that I got to tell Finn. I told him uh, I was exhausted by the time I got home. It mm -hmm. was midnight and he knew how disappointed that I was that I missed his game and he understood that sacrifice. Like you said, I think that a lot of these lessons about our goals of trying to raise a kid who's not sexist or gonna be a rapist, they're the slow lessons over time that will get you to where you need to be so that when he's in college and making decisions on his own, he's able to make those choices the correct way. One thing that I feel like we should all be able to take from this. There are so many different issues that were hit upon. First, the bully culture, the drinking and alcohol culture that our kids, although they're not experiencing now, they will. Sexual assault, and then believing people. People need to be believed, they need to be heard. And when I think about bullies, there are kids today that Charles and Finn interact with that are bullies. And when you're a bully, unless you are aggressively taught to not be one, once you're a bully, you're always a bully. And the kids now who are pushy and aggressive and belittling will grow up to be that. We as parents need to make sure that our kids understand the difference and know that that is not okay. If the 12 year old is acting like that now, they will be worse when they're 20. They're not gonna just start being nice and start being understanding. And that is not a kid that you want to associate with. And you need to recognize now that you need to stand up for the people that they are bullying. Because if you do it now, it'll be so much easier when you're older. Yeah, I've had that conversation with Finn about, obviously I don't expect him to be a bully in any situation, but his responsibility goes one step further as what I hope will be a leader in the class is to try and stand up for those that are yes. being bullied. That that is his responsibility and that is what I expect of him. That if he sees a kid who is being excluded in school, that it is his job to try and include that kid in whatever's going on. That if he sees something being, some kid being tortured in some ways, that those instances 
even though you think that one day in the lunchroom could not, it's just no big deal because that's your mindset right now. That trauma can last with that kid his entire life unless it's dealt with by somebody there to protect them. You can't ignore the fact that alcohol played a very big part of the story. Whether it was from her perspective, Dr. Bozzi Ford did not want to tell her parents what happened because she didn't want to let them know that she had been at a house where drinking was happening because she was underage. So that stigma kept her from sharing her story at the time. And it was a party where you know, where a lot of kids are drinking. Now, the reality of it is there's going to be lots of parties, probably in a couple of years, that our kids are going to be going to where kids will be drinking, kids will be getting drunk, and it's going to happen probably before we're even having those conversations seriously. So it's, it's something that we need to start real, making them understand now. Alcohol can loosen your inhibitions, and it can make you more aggressive. It can make you not the same nice, cool person that you are. Some people react very strongly to alcohol, and the phrase angry drunk, we heard that so often. And you don't know that you're an angry drunk until you are one. Or uh, you're told by somebody told else by that you are you one. Are. <laughs> and you know, the first time kids experience alcohol, it's like, oh, this feeling and it's great. And we may not, it may happen in secret. These are kids. And I know that my parents who raised me very well and, and tried to uphold certain standards for me, I was drinking when I was 16 and 17 years old. It's, it's going to happen, but it's how we as parents handle that and address that. We can't say to them, do not drink, because then they will never tell us what's happening. It's, it's more a matter of, here's what you need to understand that alcohol does. Here's what happens, and here's why you have to always maintain who you are, because alcohol changes you. For those minutes or hours that you're drunk, it, alcohol can affect you in a very negative way. That is so true. Yeah, and especially, Kids, I mean, in this instance, we're talking about 16, 17, 18, 19 year olds. That is, that is a time when you are really, really experimenting and doing things that you wouldn't often do and there are no parents around, no parents are involved. So it's, it's the lessons that we teach them now that are gonna affect how they act then. My cousin Paul is expecting a child and Finn said that he hoped for a boy so that he could teach him basketball. And I immediately had to correct him because Sports do not have a gender specificity, specificity. <laughs> regarding who gets to play basketball or not. He knows that. He plays with girls all the time. He, he's been beaten by girls. He knows the power that girls have when they want to play basketball and that they have a desire to um, play. But yet, it was still in his head that he could only coach a boy. That was one. The other situation is he had a 12-year-old friend of his on the phone talking to a girl and telling her that he had a favorite outfit that she would like her to wear uh, to school on Friday. So I had to tell Finn that it's not appropriate to tell somebody what you should or right. should not wear. And the third one is, is that when we were on a trip to Florida, we had a friend of his made a comment about a girl's derriere or her uh, Got it. junk. <laughs> so I had to have a conversation with him about that afterwards to say that is entirely inappropriate. These are just personal interactions. Like he's filled with those images every day throughout his life. I was thinking the other day about the YouTube videos that they watch. Every video starts off with, hey guys, they are immediately excluding women from their audience right when they start. And they hear this over and over and over again. Not to mention the power of advertising in our culture and the power of hip hop music, which they listen yep. to and the amount of misogyny that they uh, hear 
that is requiring a constant conversation to remind kids that some of that language is not appropriate, or, or even the mindset is not appropriate. When I think about the languages and the, the videos and everything that they listen to, there are so many times, and I'm probably not even aware of many of them, because kids are listening to music with their headphones on. They So much is happening in a world with a phone and, and a headset that we don't know what they're exposed to a lot of the time. So it's something that we need to really always be aware of. You know, there's another thing, too. Interesting enough, PS11 had a conversation with fifth graders about consent. And it was a class done by one of the teachers there. And it was mostly about photos, whether, you know, permission to take a photo, hugs. If you wanted to hug another child, you had to ask permission before you hugged another child. And borrowing things. They're starting the conversation earlier and earlier about what consent means going forward for our boys. And so that'll be interesting to see how that starts working its way down the line to have conversations with the younger boys about consent. The other thing that it's good to remind our children of or to teach our children is that the things that they see, whether it's videos, they're so misogynistic. The caricatures of men and women, which really relay these images that women are sidekicks or women are there for the purpose of, of men. And something that's worth reminding our kids about that, you know, women are equals. They are not the butt of your jokes. You would treat them as you would treat yourself. Our society kind of enforces those images every day. And it's something that's worth reminding our kids that, that they, they need to respect people. And it's not respecting men or boys. It's respecting people, everyone. One of the reasons I was so excited to become a stay-at-home dad was that Finn would grow up with a vision of women being the badass corporate executive that my wife is. And the man is the nurturer and the caretaker. And it will, I think, inform his view going forward and change his view of what's possible for women in the world. Two of the things that I've tried to do this week, I've started to highlight my platonic relationships with women to make sure that he doesn't objectify women as sex objects and said that he understands that these are some of the most important relationships that I've had in my life that are my very close friends, in part because his world right now is so male-dominated that eventually, hopefully, the women who I've worked with have informed me, has changed me as a man, and how what powerful moments of education for me about a woman's experience that has provided me, right, the women that I've dealt with in the workplace. That, and then the last thing is, is continue to try and find ways for me to express emotions that I'm feeling. Yep. To allow them to space, to be a person who's able to extend empathy and have a conversation with them, uh, other people about what they're feeling at the time. That kind of uh, surfaced when I was sad over the anniversary of a death of a cousin. But as I'm feeling it, I chose to voice my feelings with my son instead of just kind of keeping it into myself. That's a really important lesson because being able to express yourself just makes you more open as a person. And in our culture, it is so traditional for the men to act like a man, hold it in. And women or young girls are given the opportunity to express themselves freely. And it's refreshing to hear that, that you're really encouraging that with your, with your kids as well. Yeah, it'll be an interesting lesson going forward. I really, we're all trying to make sure we don't raise a Rock Turner is basically what we're trying yeah, to do. Yeah. You know, I, I look at what happened and I think at the end of the day, we are either raising kids who are open to helping other people, believing other people, or we are raising kids who are entitled. That's a great point. Entitlement is a huge conversation. 
especially because our kids are growing up with a pretty easy life. Yeah, and it's it's something that they will not learn unless we reinforce it every day. Yeah, that's a great point. And it's, you know, when Charles comes home and has a bad day, and it's like, okay, the day's not going to end until I find out what's wrong. We may have to circle back to it, but just really getting him to express and talk about the things that are happening, because if he can't do it now, he's not going to do it later. That's something that I want our boys to care about other people and to be able to articulate themselves. Now, let me ask you a question. When you hear hashtag him too, what do you think? I've read what it's about, but I had to actually Google it to find out what it meant because I didn't quite understand it when it first got out. And it led to a larger conversation about women being concerned about their sons and false accusations. And I guess this is the part of democratization of voice. Everybody's got a voice and every voice can get amplified. But because the overwhelming amount of abuse that happens is to women and the amount of false accusations of rape are so small, I chose to ignore it entirely that this was another situation where you had women trying to protect their sons which I understand. And you think that a false accusation would ruin their reputation, but you also have to accept responsibility that it may be true that your perfect little son may have committed this horrible act and is capable of it. I mean, obviously I went through my head about how I would handle that in a parent, as a parent if my son was accused of these things. And it's a very torturous experience, you know, experience to try and figure out how I would deal with that situation. You're taking it really to your worst point where you would be as a parent. So part of him too also is the goal should be for as long as possible to keep your pants on so that, you know, there's no risk of this in his conversation. If you raise your kid right, you don't have to be afraid of this. They don't have to put themselves in situations where they shouldn't be. Eventually I'll have the conversation with Finn about how sex is a very adult decision, that the decision you make to have sex is could change your life literally in an instant. You could become an adult very quick as a child if you're now responsible for another uh, child. And that's also trying to inform him that the decision that he makes is not necessarily his. That's going to be the woman's decision if she chooses to have the child or not. Listen, I've had to explain to my child. So I'm black. My children are, are black. I've had to explain to my children the importance of walking into a store with their hands outside of their pockets so that they're not accused or thought that they are stealing things or doing something nefarious in stores. So this is my reality in everything that we do, making sure that my kids know that to keep them from being suspected of doing something wrong. So it's an awareness that I've always had. I can think that my child is innocent, but at the end of the day, the store shop owner needs to think that my child is innocent. So I take that perspective in in this and say, If you're not drinking, then they can't accuse you of being drunk. If you're respecting someone, if if you're not in the situation, then they they can't accuse you of it. The truth of the matter is your son is going to be subject to more false accusations than my son through the entirety of his life. And, and And that's the point I'm trying to make, that I will do everything that I can, but at the end of the day, you can't stop the accusation from happening, whether it's in the store or on the street. All you can do is make sure that you are doing what you need to do. You can't be in that car with a six pack of beer because then you're responsible for that moment. And what happens after that is because of that moment, that makes any sense. No, that's exactly so right. w- whether it's walking down the street with a hoodie, which, which is a crime for some people like my child, it, it could be then 
all of those things add up to don't let that be you and then it won't be you. You can't stop a false accusation. All you can do is make sure that you are doing everything that you can to maintain who you are. It was just so stressful. It is very you know, stressful. I'm, I'm, but I, I'm not going to spend my life worrying that, that he will be falsely accused. I'm, I'm going to make sure that I raise a child that won't be accused. And that's all I can do. And yet we'll still face things differently and than we'll Finn. And things, still yeah. will be accused um, yeah. different than Finn will. That's a really good point and one we have not talked about a lot in our podcast but probably should get to next. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening. Help us keep the conversation going. Send us your questions to survivingmiddleschoolpod at gmail.com or visit us at survivingmiddleschoolpod.com. And check back with us next week or subscribe for our latest installment of Surviving Middle School. Thanks for listening.